Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes... Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Guru. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And I'm going to say, as we're recording on Thursday night, uh, it is the first day of the Geek New Year. Uh, Well, in the Geekdom, Geek New Year and Geek Christmas are the same day. San Diego Comic-Con! San Diego Comic-Con is happening at the moment. Um, There has been a couple panels already. Uh, We have a a great guest coming next week. Um, That was a very great surprise to us in in this guest coming on uh so should we tell them or or make it a surprise we'll make it a surprise okay um but the week you're not gonna tell them that tom holland's gonna be here next week oh it's it's not tom holland i know i I, know but you know with tom holland and his little penchant for dropping spoilers i i had to throw that in there well you're I think we need to change. There was a change in your actual wording. You you said it's when you said it's not. Okay. Just and you mean you mean it's not um, it's not Scarlett Johansson. It's, it's not her. No. 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 Okay. You're not going to get Rocket Raccoon here on the show. No. I am so utterly disappointed. Uh, but the following week we will be doing a San Diego recap and. Uh, a nice little twist with with that recap as well when we when we do uh, because there were one of the earlier panels today was Marvel Games and they did announce Deadpool's coming to Future Fight and there was some other goodness but as we were getting ready to launch show um, Iron Fist dropped a trailer we watched lo- we watched it right before show oh my word um, season premiere September seventh on Netflix yeah. Uh, most of the, most of the trailer is a fight sequence in the alley or in a alley. Yep. And, yep. Then, and then the fist glows. And we have the real Iron Fist. The, what, what, the one that you saw in the in the first. I I, per, I liked the first uh, series, the first season. I did, but I know a lot of people didn't. It was a slow burn, but we got a glimpse of what Danny has become in the second season of Luke Cage. 
And this trailer, which was all of what, 45 30 seconds? seconds? Yeah. 30 yeah, seconds? Something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he yeah. doesn't say Iron Fist once. No. No. Um, I don't think there was any talking once. Hey, you know what? He doesn't say it. He, he, no, he does utter it one bit in in the second season of Luke Cage. I think uh, there is one conversation where Luke, because Luke refuses to believe that there's a dragon. No, wait. They do mention it in the first in the first season. In the first season, but not in the second season. He doesn't say it. No, I mean, he's he calls himself Iron Fist in season one. Oh, yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but he you doesn't remember say he was, it in the trailer, though. No. Well, there there's nothing in the trailer. It's all fighting. Well, well you remember how is, he, like, go, yeah. go, go, go ahead. Well, he is talking. He says, you know, I there is the, the fight is coming or something like that, and I and I, I I have to stand for it. I have to fight it. I mean, it's internal monologue, but he's. Okay, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not announcing to the world, "I'm the immortal Iron Fist" or, or anything like that. It's just kind of no. like it, it's very Luke Cage-ish. Yeah, in a he, way. he's getting he's getting to the street roots. Like yeah. he, uh, okay, like all all through the first one, it was the whole "I'm the immortal Iron Fist." Now, and yeah. my the and I kind of got the whole my reasoning for that is that this guy lived off in in, in um. Dang, I can't even remember where it is anymore. Chun Lun, uh, yeah, yeah, for ten years. So it was a big deal there, and that's all he knew. And so he comes yeah. back to this world, and but in Luke Cage, he does not utter it once. See, I, I love that. I was worried that because he did all through uh, Daredevil. I mean, um, Defenders, Defenders too. I, I was going to say he, he was in Shambhala, but no, that's the password. No, <laughs> that's just a password to the Wi-Fi because you know they're not savages. No, they're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are not savages. No. So, um, wow. Yeah. So roughly a month and a half. Yeah. It's out. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy Labor Day weekend because five days after yeah. that, bam, Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am also going to say because it kind of relates to us because I'm now fully expecting to see this come as a comic, potential comic series. Uh, today, Lucasfilm put on the 10th anniversary panel celebrating the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and Filoni dropped the bomb. Clone Wars is coming back. Brand new episodes that will be on the Disney streaming service. Well, there you go. So the so Clone Wars have been saved, and, they, and he's going to get the chance to wrap it the way he wanted to, which Eric and I heard all about at the, the Rebels panel and at the press conference yeah. afterwards. Yeah, uh, Filoni was was kind of in the mood of for dropping some bombs there too. Yep. So with this, um, Clone Wars is absolutely back. He if he wants to do another five seasons, he could do it because in the trailer he drops, we see Ahsoka almost right away. So we may see Ahsoka Ahsoka right from the start. Obviously not as a Jedi, but we may see her maybe two three episodes in. Who knows. But. It'd be kind of nice if this was dealing with the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the the shot that they show is the it's a hologram communication uh-huh. with Ahsoka and standing next to her is Bo-Katan. Oh, okay. What is she doing on Mandalore if that's where they're at? A whole could this be playing into that one episode, uh, the first episode of season four of Rebels or that whole story arc for the beginning? We'll have to find out next year once the streaming service is launched. There you but, go. But 
Speaking of actors, speaking of shows, um, Screen Crush had a, a, I thought it was a pretty cool story. 15 actors who have played both Marvel and DC characters on screen. Uh, Tell us more. Well, should I go 1 through 15, or should I go 15 to 1? Actually, uh, like I don't this. think these are ranked. Okay. Are they? I don't know. So well, just just go ahead and start it. Uh, number 1, Ben Affleck. Who was he in DC? Batman. Batfleck. And, and in Marvel? He was Daredevil. Daredevil. I, you know what's I, interesting? Marvel, uh, what Batman and Daredevil did a comic together back in the 90s. Yeah. Those are very similar characters in terms of tone and and power level. Yeah. And and yeah, that's true they are. Now. And I wasn't I wasn't as upset over Batflex Batman as I was over his Daredevil, but you know. See, I didn't You know, that, I didn't mind his Daredevil. I didn't mind his Daredevil either. I think the problem with Daredevil was the same thing with uh Ryan Reynolds with Green Lantern. It was just a bad script. Yeah. Mm. Although I did like Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Oh, yeah. I, I did. That was inspired. I that was probably the best casting of the whole movie. Uh, I would say very close to best casting. I would say tied with Joey Pants as the reporter. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I can't think of his name now. But yeah, and that was a good that that was a good um Those two were casting great decision too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I I I enjoyed Affleck's Batman as well since he was right. being told to go more of a the Dark Knight Returns type route, and I think he nailed it. Yeah. Um, number two, Halle Berry. Uh, of course, she yeah. made a pretty good storm. Uh, I will say that. Uh, the other character, see this is this one I question Catwoman. She really wasn't a Selena Kyle. She really wasn't the other quote unquote Catwoman. It's they took the the they took the character and turned it into a mythos and changed the entire story and concept behind it. To, right. to it was a bad cosplay story. Catwoman is now a secret secret organization type thing. Like okay, right. yeah, whatever. Um, number three, Josh Brolin. Of course, we know him best from Goonies. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he played Jonah Hex. That's in, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Jonah Hex. And of course, double dipped in Marvel, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. This is one of those times he snapped twice and doubled his roles in Marvel. <laughs> uh, he plays, as we said, Thanos with that reference of snapping. And he plays Cable in Deadpool 2. Which uh, Deadpool calls him Thanos at one point. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then and and he says, "So dark. You sure you're not from the DC universe?" Yes, that's right. He did. But you know, but I didn't, but I he didn't, also I didn't mind his but, Jonah Hex. I mean, I thought he played I the that. I thought he played the character well, but again, it's one of those the movie fell flat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is there a trend with DC on this? Yeah, it might be. So you were about to say. I was about to say he also makes a one-eyed Willie joke. Oh, that's Uh-oh. right. He does. Yeah, it says, show me what you got, one-eyed Willie, which, of course, Cable does only have one eye. Right. And one-eyed Willie was the, the pirate in the Goonies. Yep. And that line is from the Goonies. It's almost a direct quote of the Goonies. Almost, when, yeah. On the show, uh, Sean Astin's character is going, show me what you got, one-eyed Willie. Uh-huh. Uh, number four, uh, Batman, played by Michael Keaton. That's I, right. To me, I was, um, is probably the top cinematic Batman. 
Outside of Christian Bale, I would agree with you because I, I really admit, liked Christian Bale. I especially, did too. Yeah, especially in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the gr- I like the grittier, more realistic take on Batman. I really did. Yeah, yeah. But Michael Keaton, he got it. See, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think Keaton, to me, Keaton's the top Batman. I know where this is a Marvel show, but Keaton was top. Uh, I would probably put Bell second, Affleck third, Kilmer four, Clooney five. I try not even to rate Clooney. I'm sorry. Hey, you know, Clooney at least apologized for what he did. Yeah, but he, oh, and as well he should. He he had a he he had a good thing going with Stacy Keebler, and he let her walk away. Mm. Uh, um, and of course, now, Michael go ahead. plays Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. which I thought he was great in that as well. Oh, yeah. And, and Vulture was one of those relatable villains. Yeah. That yeah. really, really, he didn't even see himself as a villain. No. And you can but, understand why he did what he did. It was just twisted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I have heard that while filming Homecoming... Uh, in his scenes with Tom Holland, he would lean in and whisper, "I bad, bad." <laughs> and and while I don't know if that is true, if I were Keaton, I would so totally do it. Didn't didn't he do a speech somewhere? Some uh, uh, graduation? Yes, speech? it was like a uh, graduation speech, and he just mm-hmm. uh, that's what he ended it with, "I bad, bad." <laughs> so, um, number five, Michael Fassbender. Of course, we know him as young Magneto in the X-Men franchise, right. but I totally forgot he was Burke in Jonah Hex. Ah, oh, okay. I, looking at the pictures, to me, that's not Fossbender. <laughs> I mean, I understand he's got the tattoos and whatnot. It just doesn't seem, definitely there was an age, <laughs> he, he has aged some, but just didn't mm-hmm. come across the right way. Uh, number six, J.K. Simmons. Uh J. Jonah Jameson himself in the original Spider-Man franchise. Uh, In Justice League, he plays Commissioner Gordon. Yep. Uh, All right. His J. Jonah Jameson was probably my favorite part of all three of those movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alfred Molina doing Dr. Octopus, that was inspired. That was probably the second greatest character of all three of those. Right. But Jameson... Yeah, I almost wanted to watch it for Jameson. Will, Willem Dafoe's Goblin wasn't bad either. Wasn't bad, but not as good as those two. True, true. Mm. Now, okay, who played Jameson? Did we get a Jameson in Homecoming? No, who was, no. Who was, he, he hasn't even he hasn't even stepped foot in the um, okay. Daily Bugle yet. Who played Jameson in an Amazing Spider-Man chick flick? Oh, was that the one that was? Um, Which, by the way, I liked the Lizard, the guy who played Lizard in that. That was a great role. But that was that. Oh uh, gosh, what's his name? Lawrence Fishburne. Or am I thinking? I think you're thinking Perry White. I think you're right. Anyway, J.K. Simmons should be back when they bring when they bring Triple J back into the current Holland universe. It needs to be. It needs to be J.K. Simmons. And it will be very hard for me to look at him in these scenes and not think we are farmers. There was this this claim involving a spider. <laughs> and a man of steel. <laughs> we know because we have it right here. 
Um, number seven, Angela Bassett. She played uh, Romanda in Black Panther. And mm-hmm. I don't remember her in Green Lantern, but they say Amanda Waller in Green Lantern. Yes, yeah, she was. Technically, you know what? She's triple dipped because she's Amanda Waller. She was uh, she's in Black Panther. Yep. And she's also in um, Luke Cage. Ah, uh-huh. that's right. Well, Screen Crush, we got your correction right there. Second person to double dip on the Marvel side. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman in Batman Returns. Loved her performance. She actually trained with the whip, sort of like Harrison Ford did. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a lot of the stuff that she did with the whip was improv. Like her walking down the street using it as a jump rope was totally improv by her. Oh, okay. Uh, and, of course, she is Janet Van Dyne in Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah. Now, uh, Lawrence Fisher, Fishburne comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, Perry White in The Man of Steel and Batman Heart Superman, The Yawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman versus Superman, The Dawn of Justice. I'm sorry. And Dr. Bill Foster in Ant-Man and the Wasp. There you go. Uh, okay. Who was the guy that played May's ex-husband on... Agents of Shield. Uh, that's uh, gosh, what's his name? He was uh, he was in uh, L.A. Law. Blair Underwood. Blair Underwood. Blair Underwood. That's it. So number ten, as we have brought it up, Ryan Reynolds. Of course, Green Lantern in the Green Lantern. Not his fault that the script was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deadpool in X Men Origins Wolverine, which no, he wasn't Deadpool there. He was Wade Wilson turned Weapon X, which was stupid. Yeah. And then became Deadpool. Um, and then his co-star, Ta- Taika Watiti. Watiti was Tom Kalmaku in Green Lantern, which is I loved that one part. Okay, okay, Ryan Reynolds going, okay, check this out. Jumps in the suit. He goes, or initially talks about it. He goes, this, but green all over. <laughs> and then he finally gets it. Uh, then he's also Korg in Thor Ragnarok. Ah, okay. Now, one of my favorites, but also one of my most confusing moments in the Batman anthology, Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Mm-hmm. But that started off as Harvey Dent. I mean, Harvey Dent was originally Billy D. Williams. Uh, exactly. They I didn't understand dude, that. Dude, would never, you uh, want to spoil the beautiful Billy D. Williams face with acid? I would not. Oh, only, only, See, there you go. I, no, I would potentially consider doing it. You get a little Colt 45 afterwards. Now, Tommy Lee Jones is an ugly man, so it's okay. Billy D yeah. just too pretty. I look. I met the guy, and he. he Which one? Uh, Billy D. Williams. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's a pretty man. See, that's what I'm saying. Straight man, straight man. That is a handsome man. Yeah. He is. I just like. I, but, but you got to remember, Tommy Lee Jones. This is my happy face. Exactly. There you go. Um, of course. But I, I tell you. I tell you though. And you're about to, I'm about to get ahead of you. Go ahead. <laughs> Colonel Phillips in Captain America, the first Avenger. Loved him in that role. You couldn't <laughs> have got anybody else to pull off that role no. the way he did. No, no, no. no. And, and technically a, a triple dip here too. Agent J. Yes. That's right. And, and yes. Yeah. Yes. That was yes. a Malibu comic, which at the, at the point in time that the movie was made was under Marvel control. 
There you yeah. go. Bada boom, bada bing. Um, number 13, Edwale. Yeah, I, I give up. Yeah, well, I don't think we can do that one. Killer Croc in Suicide Squad. He also plays Curse in Thor the Dark World. You know, the makeup's almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, number 14, Tom Hardy. He plays Bane and the Dark Knight Rises. And then he's also... <laughs> and then, of course, he's playing Venom in Venom, which, God, I don't have much hope for this movie. It's like every Star Wars movie ever made. I got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. I got a... Of course, I said the exact same thing about Cloak and Dagger. I have a really bad feeling about this. Uh, and then finally, number in the 15th spot, David Dasmalkian Mal- yeah. played, played Joker's Thug in The Dark Knight, and he plays Kurt in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, 15 actors who have double-dipped. Could have sworn there was a few more. Well, that's not necessarily all of them. It's I'm just... surprised. They, they should have Chris Evans in there. Uh, because no, Chris no. Evans wasn't DC. He's never done. Yes, DC. he was. He, he he was in the Losers, and the Losers was under Vertigo, which was a DC, which is under DC's imprint. I uh, consider myself corrected. Then who who have we had in the Watchmen? I could have sworn someone from the Watchmen was also in a Marvel film. Uh, hang on, I'll pull up. Uh, let's see, DB. 2009. Oh, wow. Was that movie really all the way back then? Almost 10 years old. Actually, I thought it was older, but I don't know. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Cast. Malin Ackerman. No. no. Uh, She was uh, Laurie Jupiter. Uh, Billy Crudup was Dr. Manhattan. Matthew Good was Adrian Veidt. Jackie Earl Haley was Rorschach. Uh, you think of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, maybe? Oh, uh, has he been in a Marvel movie? Uh, let me see here. He was in The Losers, right? Uh, he was vegan uh, in Walking Dead. Walking Dead, yeah. Yep. Well, if he was in The Losers, that counts. That's DC. Yeah, they're both oh, DC. Both uh, DC. He's also with Jonah Hex, so. Still DC. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not seeing. Yeah. yeah, I'm not seeing any. Okay. Let's see. Who else? Uh, I'm just going to look at Jackie Earl just for a second. Uh, was Matt Frewer? Uh, let's see. Right, I'm just. Uh, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. It could be too too close. Now, Matt Frewer. Well, he wasn't in Marvel. He was in a Disney. Yeah, it doesn't count. Okay. Uh, wow, I thought he did more than that. Okay, Patrick Wilson. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Too bad the tick doesn't count. No, you're right. <laughs> uh, human Target, Marvel? Yeah, Human human Target's DC. Yeah. Uh I don't. I think we're. Striking yeah, I don't. I, I'm not seeing anybody that. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh well. I could have thought there was there was some more. 
I, I, you see, I was convinced. I, when you mentioned it, it, made me think that there was. Why I keep thinking Malin Ackerman? No, nope. was no, no. Nope. I, I thought there was someone who who crossed over into also uh, into Electra as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not seeing. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. So I'm, I, th- I think we're striking out on this. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess let's go ahead and move on to the next story. All right, cool. Um, well, well, the next story is uh, about a movie that we're all waiting for, and we're probably not going to hear anything about for a while. Um, but Kevin Feige says that Avengers 4 will have a definitive ending. And this is a promise uh, from Kevin Feige. Um, this is from a uh, an article that is on, what's this? Is it film? No, slashfilm.com. Um, so, so Kevin Feige has offered us uh, a new hint as to what to expect with the end of the climatic superhero sequel. And it is... Is an Avengers 4 ending befitting a movie that we've been building up to for 10 plus years and 21 Marvel movies. Okay. Um, so he says, and this is a direct quote. Now, this was during an interview in the uh, Toronto Sun. He says, but storylines can come to an end. The best stories do come to an end. Return of the Jedi was an ending of a long time uh, an ending for a long time, and as a ten year old in nineteen eighty three that carried me through thirty years until there was a sequel oh yeah that yeah. hasn't totally agree right, and so that hasn't happened before in the superhero genre. A new actor comes in and a new storyline starts right away. We want to do the we want to do it this way because we think that the best stories have a definitive ending to a storyline. That's certainly what's going to happen next year with Avengers Four. Okay. Um, it says uh, so. He, some, uh, according to, as I read through the article, they actually use the word finale when talking about Avengers Four. Um, so I don't know if this means that uh, the uh, original group of Avengers, uh, if that group is. No, it, it, once this is all said and done, if that's it, we're not going to see them anymore, or what? I mean, uh, I think we're going to see um, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans stepping away, right? Uh, Helmsworth, I don't know, or Hemsworth, I don't know. Scarlett Johansson, quite possibly. Um, Jeremy Renner, I think so because he's moving over to Spawn as well. Oh, that's right. He is. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I would think that that may be it. Um, I, I don't see a lot of the original cast sticking sticking around. I mean, they've already been going at it off and on for twenty years or ten years, and that's that's true. And, and that's I, a, that's a long time. It is, and I mean. I, I I wonder if this means that the Avengers are going to be no more, or I mean the thing is in the comics the Avengers continue the 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 roster changes yeah but the Avengers continue and I that's what I would love to see I would love to see the Avengers continue but maybe in an iteration that's closer to what we have with the 
um, the uh, West Coast Avengers, because that's pretty much almost what we had towards what we had in. Um, I, I think well, we, I think we are getting closer to New Avengers, uh, hopefully West Coast Avengers, mm-hmm. um, especially since Comcast has officially bowed out. I know we had the report where the government approved the the Fox Disney deal, uh, but the government or but Comcast has finally bowed out of. Mm-hmm. Of not trying to outbid anymore, right? So because of that, um, I think I, th- I think we're in in good shape of saying. Um, and I, I know Eric would say you know, we don't count our chickens yet. Um, it's not a complete done deal, but it looks closer to having the X Men and Fantastic Four properties back under Marvel control again. Because I'm sure that's going to be. Whether it's still distributed under Fox or not, I think we're going to have Marvel control of those franchises again. Right. And if so, I would love to see Gwynpool. But technically, Gwynpool would be, if I remember Heather right, Gwynpool would be under the MCU. So let's go ahead and bring her in for a, a West Coast Avengers or New Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we already have Squirrel Girl. Yep. Which that series is supposed to be whenever. Um, but you know, the whole, the original cast, I think they're going to be gone for a while after Avengers 4. I hope Thor is not. Mm. He's the only one I could see that potentially wouldn't be. Mm. It, so, I don't know. I, I don't either. But it's going to be, I, you know, the thing is, I... I I'm not sure if it, I think I might just stop even trying to speculate about what what this all means because I I'll be honest with you after what they did to us at the end of um at the at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp I, I'm I, I'm not ready to even try and process so no I, I can so, see that well yeah um what, there's been some confirmation about an Avengers 4 theory yeah Okay, um, and we have Tom Holland, spoiler boy, to to thank for this, which he has a a penchant for letting stuff slip. And apparently, there's been uh, no disputing the name of the movie. Yeah. So you know, people are calling it Far From Home, whether that's the real name or not. But while he was on a uh, press tour with Benedict Cumberbatch for Infinity War, uh, he was doing an interview with Access Hollywood. Well, the, both of them were. And they were asked about the difficulty in delivering their lines. And, well, of course, Holland just jumps right in and he says uh, – he has the most difficult lines, though. He has to talk so, about so much quantum realm stuff. I just have to talk about, yeah, man, that's awesome. So mine is easy, but his is difficult. <clears throat> and he's talking about Cumberbatch. Is in, and you can you got to imagine Cumberbatch is just if he could do the Picard face palm, he would be doing it. <laughs> and, and you know you just you don't think about it at the time no right. because it's just it, it is almost like a throwaway line in a movie yeah but what has come out since infinity war and mm-hmm. man in the wasp yeah which is supposedly taking place before infinity war uh-huh part oh uh, well uh, um uh, is it okay for me to clarify some things uh, go for it 
Okay. We're past so, the spoiler window. All right. So the event in Ant-Man and the Wasp happens after Civil War, but before Infinity War for the most part. Until you get to the post credit scenes. Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. You know, you had the quantum zone, uh, quantum realm, excuse me, quantum zone. Why am I thinking quantum zone? I don't know. But quantum realm playing a, you know, being a thing in Ant-Man, in the two Ant-Man movies. So, A, does that mean we're going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp or at least some characters from that movie? And are we going to see the Avengers in the or what's left of the Avengers in the quantum realm? Oh, good point. But I think we're I think we're overlooking something here. What? Doctor Strange did not mention the quantum realm in Infinity War. No, he didn't. So either a that's all been taken. That was all in deleted scenes. B. He's just throwing this out there as a red herring. Or C, we get Doctor Strange back early enough in Avengers 4 for him to talk about the quantum realm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, all right. So so basically we have two either or uh, questions here. Either his comment about the quantum realm is legit or it is not. Right. If it is not, then Tom Tom Holland just expertly trolled millions of fans. If it is legit, then that means that Benedict Cumberbatch has had lines regarding the quantum realm. Now, the question becomes, were those lines intended for Infinity War or for Avengers 4? Mm. If they were intended for Infinity War, then they obviously wound up on the Infinity War cutting room floor. If they were intended for Avengers four, then that tells me uh, we're we're getting some guys back. Right, we're getting some undusting going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it's man. I, but see now, I wonder how hush hush is everything everything going to be until Captain Marvel? Are yeah, they really so- going? Are they really going to play it that close to the vest? See, I would not put I would not put it past the the PR people at Marvel mm-hmm. to to throw us a red herring using Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because think about it. What do PR people like? They like buzz. They like hype. They like fans talking about it. Mm-hmm. What are we doing right now? Talking, talking about, about it. it. On so, a podcast. So if I'm like a Marvel PR person and we did throw this out there just just as a as a troll, I'd be sitting back going, mission accomplished. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw this in real quick before we get to the next story. Part of that Iron Fist panel that talked about, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the trailer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alice Eve is playing Typhoid Mary. Oh, nice, nice, nice addition. And you could have Daredevil crossover with that. Yes. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if Daredevil does show up in season two of Iron Fist. Now, in case you are wondering who Alice Eve is, uh, her top stuff is, before we go, with Chris Evans. She's out of my league. You might know her best as Carol Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. And she was young Agent O in Men in Black 3. 
mm-hmm. some of the the most known movies she's in. Yeah. Um. So, and then on top of that, there's a breakdown of new characters for Agents of Shield that was revealed at San Diego Comic Con. Oh. Um, for one episode only, we have a character called Agent Damien, uh, Damon, a cool, handsome, and funny sh- S.H.I.E.L.D. soldier. Uh, Butterfly will be a young female, described as lethal and aloof. Uh, there's an older addition to the roster known as Professor L. <laughs> Uh, Pax, a mercenary who sounds a lot like Jocko, but younger with more humorous tone. <laughs> and that's pretty much all we got there. Okay. So ah. I'm going to turn it back over to Kylan to, uh, I think we're going to wrap Spider-Man news with this. Yeah. Uh, so there's been, there's an announcement, um, of, uh, an addition to the Spider-Man Far From Home cast. Uh, they've, uh, added New- Newman Acar. Uh, and this is from an uh, article on comingsoon.net. Um, so Deadline reports that Turkish actor Numan Akar, who is from Disney's upcoming live-action Aladdin and Prison Break, has joined the cast of the upcoming Spider-Man Far From Home movie. Uh, the outlet does not does said. The outlet says not much is known about the character, uh, though he will go by the name Dimitri. Um, one key character, one key Spider-Man character that goes by that name is the villain, villain Chameleon, the master of disguise and the half-brother of the villain Craven the Hunter. It wouldn't be out of the realm of the possibility for a Spider-Man villain to play a smaller role in the new movie as Spider-Man Homecoming featured appearances by two different versions of the Shocker. Plus, the Tinkerer and the Prowler, in addition to the Vulture as its main baddie. However, it is just speculation. Um, So, I'm assuming we're guessing potentially um, (laughs) Hydro-Man? You mean for uh, for the bad guy? Uh, I thought th- I thought it was gonna be Mysterio. I thought I read somewhere that um, the main bad guy for Far From Home was gonna be Mysterio. Could be both. Could be. Could be both. So, although I think it'd be awesome for us to finally get a um, finally get Craven on the big screen. I would love that. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I'd be okay with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing him. I would love to get Jeffrey Dean Morgan just in the MCU. Yes, yes, yes. I I agree. So, well, uh, let's get into some comic news real quick. Okay. Well, one of my favorite uh, titles from years gone by was the What If storylines because. And this is kind of what would trigger a Star Wars fan right now. It would just say, well, what if this happened or what if that happened? Uh, I think one of my first this may have been my actual first Marvel Unlimited pick here on Mighty Marvel Geeks was a what if title. It was like, you know, what if uh, Jessica Jones had remained with the Avengers or something like that? Mm-hmm. Here she wound up marrying Captain America. Um, another one of my favorites was uh, what if Wolverine had become an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And it was one of my favorites despite being drawn by Rob Liefeld. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what is here or there is the fact that Marvel is bringing back what if. Uh, it's uh, it's a line of titles for six one-shots that will come later this year. 
And uh, the first two titles uh, to be released will be What If Spider-Man and What If X-Men. These titles will explore what would happen if Flash Thompson became Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. Right. That can be be interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, And what what if the X-Men lived in a digital world? Now, Hmm. this is probably what I think is the most intriguing of all of them. Uh, What if the Punisher... Talks. It goes into an exploring a world where Spider-Man is the Punisher. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And there's like uh, I'm reading this article off of uh, CBR.com, and their splash image is a picture of Spider-Man. Uh, he's doing like his web shooters have been replaced with guns. Yes. And he's doing like a variant of the black Spider-Man outfit, almost like the Venom symbiote. And there's uh, Frank Castle's big Punisher skull across his chest. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is is really interesting. And there's also uh, what if Ghost Rider, and, and this is kind of a trope. I'm not really holding out a whole lot of hope for this one. Uh, what if Ghost Rider will bring the spirit of vengeance into this world, the real world? Whoa. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure about that one. Uh, there is a what if Thor where the God of Thunder is adopted by frost giants at a young age instead of Loki being adopted by Odin. And the last one in the series will be what if magic. And this is like uh, Ilyana Rasputin. She has the chance to harness her powers without any complication or any drama. So that's she has a ton of magic potential. Right. As a matter of fact, I remember I I think this happened in an old New Mutants where uh, she went to Doctor Strange to learn more about magic. And he sends her right back saying, you know, I I can't teach her anything. (laughs) So it's always the thing that's always been holding her back is that if she embraces these these magical abilities, she becomes the dark child. She basically oh. becomes a demon. Huh. So, yeah, she's it's it's almost like the whole Jane Foster Thor thing is kind of like, yeah, you can be a hero, you can be super powerful, but there's a price. Uh, interesting thing, back in August of 1978, what if number 10 is what if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor? So there is precedent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also like, what if Professor Xavier had become the juggernaut? Wow. Yeah. That's that was a good one. Oh, that was a good one. Number two is what if the Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner, and that was that was in seventy seven. So fast forward, when did when did when did we get Professor Hulk? Peter da- when Peter David took over uh, in the early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah, this is crazy. I I I was just kind of looking through the what ifs here, like you know, for um, Marvel Unlimited, and I'm just like. Did they just go back and like, well, let's do something new? Oh, I know. Remember that what if where we and and what what did we learn with Tom DeFalco when when he was a guest on here? That so many of the decisions that we that led led to what we love, your stories that we love and concepts that we love, they all evolved out of why not? Yeah. Right. Well, so this, this funny totally you, makes sense that they should also come from what ifs. It's funny you mentioned what if Charles Xavier had become the juggernaut. It's no joke. This was from Free Comic Book Day last year. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh. 
a hero clicks of the juggernaut, Charles Xavier juggernaut. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Point value, 175 points. That's cheap. So, um, well, I think I'm going to start bringing it to almost the point of picks of the week. It was also announced this week, which kind of, I think the ground for this was kind of laid last year at celebration with the announcement. Um, but Marvel Entertainment and IDW Publishing announced back on the 17th of July that the two companies will develop middle-grade comic books designed for younger readers. Right. Featuring some of Marvel's most popular characters, the monthly series and trade paperback collections published by IDW will be available for sale at local comic book shops and retailers across the country. Now, this is the actual press release I'm reading from. Um, expanding opportunities for the next generation of superheroes to experience the Marvel Universe. From Iron Man to Captain Marvel, from Hulk to Shiri, the Marvel Pantheon has something for everyone, says John Barber, editor-in-chief of IDW. With this team-up, Marvel and IDW aim to bring exciting all-new comics to a generation growing up in a Marvel world. Launching in November of 2018. Hey, just in time for Zoe's birthday. The Marvel and IDD, IDW collaboration will kick off with a Spider-Man series featuring both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, followed by an Avenger series beginning in December and a Black Panther series in January of 2019. Each of these titles will serve as an easily accessible jumping on point for younger readers to follow the adventures of their favorite characters. Marvel is excited to work with IDW to share these brand new stories with younger fans, says C.B. Sabolsky, editor-in-chief of Marvel. Characters like Spider-Man, Black Panther, and the Avengers inspire us through their strength and determination, but they resonate with readers because of the struggles they face and the challenges they overcome. We want to share their journeys with our younger fans firsthand. Marvel is committed to delivering unique and accessible content for our younger audiences and fans, says Finn Larson, director, licensed publishing of Marvel. As one of our most valued partners, IDW is the right fit to help us feature some of our most popular characters and published stories created especially for the next generation of superheroes. This partnership reflects the true spirit of collaboration at work, says Greg Goldstein, president and publisher of IDW. As comic book publishers, IDW and Marvel are able to produce high-quality visual storytelling experiences for fans, both young and old, by combining our efforts along with Marvel's ever-increasing presence in the popular culture. The results will be spectacular. Uh, details and creative teams for the new line of middle-grade books will be announced at a later date. And looking at this mm. cover of the Spider-Man, I wouldn't be surprised because uh, they said it was going to be, uh, what, with Parker and Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. uh, look who's kind of in the background to the left on that on that artwork. There's a little spider going as well. Mm. <laughs> you, I know someone who's going to potentially want this book in this series. And I'm going to do with her like we've been doing with her. With the other Marvel IDW collaboration, Zoe is collecting not the individual issues, unless there's a cover she absolutely wants, like the Porg cover that they had not too long ago. But we're getting her the trade paperbacks, and she okay. has to, and she will be throughout the school year earning them based on grades. Oh, all right. So it's a reward if she wants the books. But uh, right now she has the three trade paperbacks for Star Wars Adventures, which was the first collaboration with Marvel. Marvel and IDW recently, in which they said IDW is able to help tell the Star Wars stories for Marvel for the younger audience. Mm -hmm. And Zoe loves them. 
and I'm almost tempted to let her start reading Dr. Afra, <laughs> just because. But um, she is reading the Kenan series. Um, I've thrown that on her iPad to read. Uh, there's a few other, uh, this, the droids book, the one shot that came out, she's reading it. But this, I think, is going to be something right up her alley. And, and I'm excited for this. I'm excited to also, you know, I will pay twice for this, the actual physical book if she wants it, and the digital copies as well. Okay. All right. So, um, so to wrap comics... Let's head right into our picks of the week. And Eric, since you had the MU pick this week, I'm going to let you start off. Okay. Well, my first pick is Deadpool Assassin number four by Cullen Bunn and Mark Bagley. Deadpool isn't usually known for his attention to detail and promptness, but he is cleaning up in the mercenary for hire biz. And since the regenerating degenerates proven elusive of the Assassin's Guild's efforts to stop him, in this issue, they'll hit him where it hurts, his groin and his friends. Okay. Kylan, uh, how about you? Uh, my first pick is uh, Mr. and Mrs. X, number one, by Kelly Thompson and Oscar Basildua. I almost um, <laughs> Love and Marriage, Part 1. Straight from the pages of X-Men Gold to the surprise of everyone, the Marvel Universe's hottest couple has finally tied the knot. In their extraordinary lives, they face nearly every challenge imaginable. imaginable. That's a word. Uh, But how are they to fare against former flames making trouble? An entire galaxy in jeopardy? You want it? We got it. As Kelly Thompson and Oscar Basildua bring you the tantalizing tale of modern marriage, X-Men style. Um, I just want to say, first thing that came to my head when you started off, mm-hmm. love and marriage. <laughs> A little married with children there. <laughs> I just picked, I can't picture Gambit just sitting there on the couch holding a beer in his hand in his uh, yeah, waistband. Yeah. 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 Well, my first pick of the week is Multiple Man number two, and it's two of five. It's a five-issue run. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg, Andy McDonald, and Marcos Martin are the creative team. Multiple Man heads into the or heads to the future to tell himself not to go to the past again. Jamie Madrox, your weird friend's favorite X-Man, is escorted through time by his dangerous new allies. But what he finds in the future is something that rattles Jamie to his very core, and he doesn't rattle easily. Guest starring in the five greatest mutants of all time, Madrox, 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 and Madrox. (laughs) So, Eric, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Hunt for Wolverine Mystery Madripoor number three. Madripoor's secrets are worth killing for. And if Kitty Pride fails to uncover them, another X-Man will die. Has Domino's luck finally run out? And what is the Sotierra Project? Okay. Kyle, on your second pick. My second pick is X-23 number two, the... And this is by Mariko Tamaki, Juan Cabal, and Mike Choi. Cloned from a warrior, raised as a killer, 
Laura Kinney has gone through hell and come out come out the other side a hero. After a stint as the all-new Wolverine, she returns to her roots as X-23 to make sure no one ever has to go through the horror she did. With her sister Gabby and their pet Jonathan in tow, X-23 forges her own destiny in this new series by Mariko Tamaki and Juan Cabal. Okay. Well, my second pick of the week is from Chip Zdarsky and Jim Chung. It's Marvel 2-in-1 number 8. Next of Ken continues. A new life in a new town on a strange world. Everything has changed for the broken people once known as Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm. But can they repair things before one of their oldest villains puts the nail in the coffin of the Fantastic Four? So it's two down for each of us. On to our final books of the week. Okay, my final pick of the week. I've been saving this one for the last one. Spider-Girl Complete Collection Trade Paperback. Great book. And... And this kind of ties into an earlier story uh, because this started off as a what if. What if Peter Parker and Mary Jane had a daughter? The ever amazing answer is she'd be May Mayday Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Girl. Spinning out of the pages of What If into her very own universe, the teenage Mayday inherits spider powers and dons her retired father's red and blues. Now follow her adventures from the beginning as Mayday learns about Spider-Man's legacy and wrestles with whether to follow in his footsteps. She'll face threats old and new from the Venom symbiote and Kane to Crazy Eight and the Dragon King and meet incredible faces from the future Marvel Universe, including Dark Devil, Wild Thing, the Fantastic Five and the newest roster of the Mighty Avengers. Now, this is collecting What If number 105 and Spider-Girl numbers one through 15, number one half and annual 99. Okay. Well, my, uh, Kylan, your final pick. My final pick is Star Wars Lando Double or Nothing, number three. That's my third pick. See what I did there? Anyway, Lando's luck has run out when he was captured by Batala. Batala's in luck with a big payoff if he turns Lando over to his enemies. And there's a lot of them. Will a galaxy of bad guys finally get their due against the ultimate thorn in their side? We might find out in the next issue after that as well. Maybe. Well, my final pick of the week is by Karen Gillian, Emilio Lacio, Ashley Witter, who I'm actually trying to get on the show as well. Ashley is the cover artist on this, I believe. Um, it's Dr. Afro number 22, stuck in a junkyard, jail at war. It can't get worse, right? I mean, unless you're a vengeful force ghost, an insane, an insane murder droids, or a boar brain leech, and sentient biohazard, surely even rogue archaeologist Dr. Afra can't find a way to make things even worse. Wrong. <laughs> because her current bow and her ex are just about to meet. So, uh, Eric, how about the MU pick for this week? The MU pick 
Uh, kind of follows the theme I've been running today, apparently. Um, we talked about What If coming back. We talked about the Spider-Girl trade paperback being collected from a What If. Well, I figured let's complete the trifecta and make the MU pick a What If. And let's go all the way back to 1977 with What If Volume 1, Number 1. What If Spider-Man Joined the Fantastic Four? Um, it does not have the happy ending you would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it becomes a foursome, but what's the one person that gets left out? And I'd I'd rather just not talk about it because we would be spoiling it for those of you who haven't read it. Oh, my gosh. But I, I will say this. They did come out with a sequel to this. Um, what if number 21 follows up on the events of number one hmm. and it's, it's the story's not any better. I, I mean, it's a good story. It's just, it's not a happy one. Right. Hmm. You know what? I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good story. So I, I think I'm gonna have to look this one up. Yeah, I do read this one, read this one and then read number 21. Okay, cool. Well, that's going to bring us close to a close any final thoughts mm, i got nothing yeah i'm pretty much there too okay mm-hmm. well stoked over the iron two iron man announcements the trailer and miss eve coming in as typhoid mary uh again we got a great guest coming next week uh might have some that we can't tell you might have some netflix ties who knows well we know <laughs> so we're just gonna leave it a tease for you and then in two weeks, or a week after that, so in two weeks from this issue, we're going to do a San Diego recap of Comic-Con and how it relates to Marvel. So um, if there's nothing more, then there's only no? one thing left to do. Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. I, I still say... With the potential of cast, the original cast of the MCU potentially going away, I want to see Gwenpool introduced maybe near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And a few other characters, and let's either go west with West Coast Avengers or let's start creating the new Avengers. That was, um,. I, I think I'd like to see that too. I think that'd be interesting, you know. I I think so. I I really did. Because mm. it, it felt like they set it up originally at the end of uh, Age of Ultron. I I agree exactly. So.